All right, guys, this week is very special to me. A family friend of ours has come up from Florida to sit with me in the studio and talk all about her new book, Loyal to a Fault. What an incredible title. And all of her work, her experiences, her insights, and her very practical resources. This book is a resource for everyone trying to live in freedom and enrich your love in their relationships. And it's hard work, but she walks us through it through her own personal journey and through over a decade of her teaching her guiding and coaching women and those experiences that she brings to all of us so that our road may be a little smoother <laughs> than hers had to be to get to this place of joy and freedom and relationship. So this is truly for anyone. We touch on a lot of different topics in this interview, just the points that really hit home with me, things that I have struggled to learn and do well. And her heart for this is just overwhelming. And I think anybody who is starting this year thinking, oh man, I'm really struggling here, or wow, we really need to mend this part of our relationship. There, there is encouragement here for you. There are tools here for you. And as Courtney so kindly reminds us and reiterates that boundaries, which we talk a lot about, are here to protect um, and that they are actually God's work. They are modeled in scripture for us as a way to live more abundantly and full in relationships. So I know y'all will love her as much as I always have. This week's guest is Courtney Burke, author of Loyal to a Fault. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. All the way from Florida. I was like, tell me when I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> I know, you're lucky we were just saying missed like the biggest snow we've ever had. So I'm glad you came this week and not last week. Yeah, I didn't, my friend lent me a, a coat. And so I had a coat. <laughs> <laughs> to like rent a coat to come up here. Oh, that's funny. Um, well, I, I've read off your credentials in the intro. I'm so excited for everybody to get to know you. Um, and obviously talk all about your book, Loyal to a Fault. Um, and first though, what we do here, and I did not brief you on this, so I'm sorry, but how I start my shows, cause it's music city, um, and music brings me joy is I ask the guest, if you had like a walkout song for your life right now, like if something was playing behind you, um, what comes to mind? Well, this is probably not going to be what would excite most people. My son is obsessed with Chris Tomlin, Holy Forever. Yeah. Your name is the highest. And so it's not like a walkout like anthem, but it's really been cool to see like and hear a three-year-old sing That's that. That's amazing. But it's funny because so he sleeps in his his room with his twin sister, and it was not fun the other morning at like five a.m. in yeah. his crib <laughs> when he was singing Holy. Forever. It's a wake-up song. It's Waking up not the whole a walkout house, song. That's but so it's sweet. hard to be mad when yeah. he's singing that. I feel like there's nothing like. I guess that's still a toddler, right? Three, yeah. kind of, not really. Yeah, On the upper edge. Yeah. Kids that age, like two, three, four, belting songs. And it's like, they know it. Like, they yes. know it in their own language sometimes, but it gets lost in translation. <laughs> but it's so cute. It was cute. And it was hard to be. And then the next morning was Jingle Bells. So I don't know what we're going to ever yeah, get. Yeah, you'll land, land somewhere. <laughs> I love that. Um, well, like I said, you know, we've kind of read off your credentials. Um, and we're going to talk all about your book. But I do want to ask you, too, you have an online community called Discover Your Worth. And I just want to hear a little bit about that before we dive in, kind of how that came about, what you offer, like why your heart kind of started there, really, to, to serve and teach others. It did. It. Um, I had a blog for many years. It's actually going to be my 10th year this year Amazing. of having it. And um, before COVID, I was working with women more and more. And I felt this like need to kind of 
house the information somewhere. And so the membership kind of came from that. I also was pregnant with my third and I realized I'm not going to be able to do this one on one stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, and so women were able to access it however and whenever they wanted. And so that's kind of when the membership was born. And so inside is four courses and we do a monthly masterclass. And I'm able to also, you know, I'm a creator and I love teaching and giving away information, but the membership helps me also hear from them. So I have this email option and I get to kind of be with them in more of an intimate way Mm -hmm. um, while they're kind of working through the kinks of boundary work and codependency and all that. Yeah, that's amazing. So an example of you know, a masterclass um, would be. Oh gosh, sometimes it's what I'm into at the at the time. So I've done like even an Atomic Habits masterclass oh, with cool. James Clear. Yeah, so yeah, if yeah. I read that book, you know, I, I'll kind of digest that and kind of regurgitate it for the yeah. members. Um, you know, with the holidays upon us, I did some of that with like, you know, how to have like good, strong boundaries mm-hmm. around the holidays with people that we don't see often enough mm-hmm. and we don't feel like we're able to set and maintain these boundaries so things like that sometimes they're evergreen sometimes they're time sensitive but have you always like had a pull to sort of teach and lead in this way or was this new no so it's funny because when I was trying to figure out like okay everybody has these spiritual gifts what are mine Mm, big question I didn't know and I started looking around and I look I realized that I was a Pilates teacher a soccer coach you know I was like Um, head of SGA in high Mm -hmm. school like I everywhere I went I kind of fell into this Mm -hmm. role yeah and actually now when I do things sometimes that I don't want to lead I have to be very intentional about it yeah totally (laughs) I'm like I just want to be fed in this season I just want to sit back and yeah but um yeah I think that that's definitely one of my spiritual gifts that I'm working on training and sharpening I love that yeah Well, everyone can go check out Discover Your Worth and see what's going on this month, this spring, and become a part of that, become a part of your community and membership. I think that's really awesome and really cool. And you probably learn a lot from the women that you help. I do. It keeps it fresh for me because sometimes I'm teaching on something and I'm like, is this landing anywhere with anybody, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. and then something will come back, like even writing my book and realizing that this core value thing was something that I was missing. I didn't really know that until I was like taking a temperature of the women yeah. that I was serving. I'm like, wow, they don't even know that we can't guard anything unless we know what we value. Yeah. And so that was something that I had to go back on yeah. and really kind of add to. That was a cool part of the book we're definitely going to talk about. But I think I think it's awesome that, you know, you are not just generating from your own life and experience, but also gauging that feedback of what others are going through and sort of, in a way, tailoring it to yeah. the 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 female experience, you yeah. know, which is really awesome. So Thanks. anyway, excited about that. <laughs> Very excited about Loyal to Fault. Um, we've had so many conversations, you and I, I feel like the last several years we have yes. the same publisher. And so I feel like I feel grateful we've been able to kind of brave that first book road together. <laughs> and there are highs and lows and frustrations and joys and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's here. It was released December um, of 2023. Mm-hmm. And so excited to share with everybody i it was one of my christmas reads and it was such a delight even though it's it's sometimes hard material you know to really think through and it's such a resource like there's i I know you already so i know you know your heart in this book for for people who don't they will know your heart in this book and and it feels like 
an invitation to own, you know, what we need and also a very practical resource. So I'm thankful for that. Thank you. I'm really excited to talk to everybody about it. It's a phenomenal title. I don't know if I've told you that in the last couple of years of us, like just being a word nerd, like yeah. a song title, a lyric, a phrase, whatever, like it's it's a beautiful title. And we actually, I was like, is it taken already? Like I thought it wasn't right? taken I mean, you kind of think. And then it's like, nope, this is totally such a divine thing. I can't <laughs> yeah. believe it. Um, so loyal to a fault. And the subtitle is how to establish new patterns when loving others has left you hurting. And so... I think where I want to start is like these books, especially when they are sort of our first books and very, um, very much in a memoir voice, which yours is to an extent, mm -hmm. like I said, very personal. It always starts with something personal, like mm -hmm. with, with a, a loss or a, an, an obstacle or or something like that. So I wonder for you, you know, when or how did this sort of urge to look at loyalty in your life? Yeah begin like how did we get from is this loyal or is this harmful or unhealthy like what yeah. what was that sort of first seed for yeah you? I you know I grew up in a Catholic church and I knew how to be a Catholic and I knew how to pray and I knew of God but I didn't know God the way I do now mm. and I realized early on that what was happening inside of our home wasn't what I was kind of being taught, you know, on Wednesday mm -hmm. nights and Sunday mornings. And I knew there was a confusion that I carried, but I couldn't really put my finger on it. And it wasn't until I, you know, became a young adult that I realized that I had been conditioned into this, like guarding my family secrets, mm. guarding the dysfunction, the addiction, the lying, um, and I write in the book that my faith was like my biggest blessing, but my biggest burden. Mm. Because if God loved me, then why is this not adding up? Mm -hmm. And where do I stand in that? Mm -hmm. And so I had to come to terms with the fact that in order to follow God, it often meant rejecting the stuff and sometimes the people in my closest circle. And that was hard. Mm. Um, and really you know, going hard on that, that sin that was threatening to just erode us. Yeah. Because when we care so much about people here, it's easy to kind of uh, fall into that sin too. It's yeah. easy to, you know, deny and hide for them. And yeah. so that's where that loyalty came into question. I said, well, what, what does God actually say about me and my closest relationships? And I just got to the root of of his heart with that and mm -hmm. what his plan was for me inside my family, which ended up, you know, um, going into every relationship, my marriage, motherhood, yeah. friendships now. I didn't I didn't know then that it was going to affect and also heal parts of me mm. in every relationship. Yeah. Did did that realization or that I don't know, angst of the sort of paradoxical ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, you mentioned the sin in the center, and I think we use that language a lot, but it's like the message being to protect or be loyal mm -hmm. to the center, you know, you have to sort of protect and be loyal or lie about the sin. Mm -hmm. Did you feel that discrepancy as a kid or was that, is this all sort of retrospective? Both. I feel like it's obviously more clear now because I have, the sound mind to understand mm -hmm. and also like the theology behind it and the 
and I'm a mom now, so I can see my children and how quickly they are to just make me happy, Mm -hmm. you know, or children will easily fall into that role of just, I'll keep this together. I'll help. Mm -hmm. I'll fix, you know, Mm -hmm. they want to stay connected. And so, you know, I think too, with my background in psychology and like really loving the brain science and how and why we do what we do. And then, I'll, you know, God created us with a longing mm. to connect. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that there was a part of me inside that was like, okay, well, I'll ignore it because I want to be with you. Totally. I want to be. Which is a in reasonable feeling. Yeah, you know? of course. And so I think, I think it was both for sure. Yeah. Well, and a lot of where you start to is before we've even you know, retrospectively looked back or learned language to talk about mm-hmm. whatever dysfunction or you know disorders going on that part of, you talked about the way God made us to connect, part of also the way he made us was to survive yes. and that what we unknowingly do, especially as, as kids and teenagers and young adults is just cope how we can't, like yeah. we just survive. That's what we do. And that is a gift, you know, yeah. but it also becomes a burden, like you said, mm-hmm. or an obstacle or a pattern that seeps also into all the other mm-hmm. parts of our life. And so will you kind of talk about, you mentioned so many different um, means that people often mm-hmm. turn to for for coping in mm-hmm. the book with whatever dysfunction or patterns. Um, what were some of the ones you turned to naturally? Um, and what are some of the kind of, you know, big topics, overarching coping skills that you mm-hmm. see people learn or women learn that they then have to unfortunately unlearn. Sure. I I think it's it's the common coping that we do now, which is we stay busy. Mm-hmm. We people please, so we try to just keep people happy. Um we perf- you know, we perform, we um we're like just the yes girl. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, I think that it's one of the things that I did again not knowing then but but understanding now is that I just, I placed them, I throned them into like a position that they didn't belong in. And so mm. I, I write about too coping as a means to, you know, provide that um, like faux comfort, like mm-hmm. this, this manufactured comfort, this sense of security. Yeah. So when we don't feel safe and secure in some of our relationships, we're going to, like you said, survive. Mm-hmm. So we'll manufacture it. And, um, and one of the, the best ways to cope for me and a lot of the women that I've worked with is managing the dysfunction and the problems of people around us. Mm. And that's a slippery slope because, okay, I love you. I don't want to deal with the fact that I don't have any boundaries and I have no <laughs> self-control. And so I'm going to do what I've been taught to do and also what I've been applauded to do, mm-hmm. which is to muddle in your life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... That's where the the cycle just continues. Yeah. And so. And that's a lot of what you discovered as you looked back on your mm-hmm. past and your patterns. And you talk about family of origin. Mm-hmm. You have an actual chart for us to work through um, in the book in looking back on those systems or habits, you know, of our families and and where that left us mm-hmm. to cope and survive. And, and um, part of this sort of beginning, part one is called How Did We Get Here, which I think is obviously the right place to start. And. We're looking at our family of origins. We're looking at these patterns. Um, And I just want you to speak to people who maybe are fearful of doing that. They're hesitant to do that. Because you know, even if you don't know what's going to come up, like, you know you're going to dredge stuff up. And so, like, why did that matter? Why is that where you have to start? Like, 
how did you find compassion for mm. not not family that had harmed you, but but for the background that had led to these dysfunctions, if that makes sense? It does. And I'll and I'll touch on the compassion piece that is still being worked out in me. So it wasn't That's, as I appreciate you saying that, you know, it wasn't like the Lord just like poured over onto me this like <laughs> forgiveness and grace and compassion and all that. That's a choice that I have to pursue every day. And it's also the relationships that um, are slowly being restored. They, they're evolving over time. Mm. Um, but the family of origin inventory is important. And for the people that feel like, whoa, I don't want to go there or that is so far long. It was so long ago. It doesn't yes. apply mm -hmm. or you know, sometimes we'll say, well, they did their best and they did, mm -hmm. you know, maybe they did, or, you know, all these thoughts come up. I like to look at it as collecting data. So it's not to blame anybody mm -hmm. or shame anybody or stay back there. But once we collect data, you know, we have that authority then to say, okay, how do I want to build out my life now? Mm. That is such a powerful gift mm -hmm. that we get to do now. Yeah. And so you, you build out that or that inventory and you say, OK, what did I learn about boundaries, affection? You know, what did I learn about rules and rhythms? And, you know, I have that chart where you can just finally say, oh, I didn't realize that I learned that from them. Mm -hmm. I actually don't want to do that in my mm -hmm. life anymore. Yeah. And so then taking that inventory allows us to say, OK, I'm going to make this choice and not to stay back there, but just to move forward and and you know, do our own part in taking responsibility for yeah. that. Yeah, it, it gives you maybe agency over what's happened versus being, you know, a victim to what's happened kind of thing. And I think one of the ways that you explain it or frame it really well in the book is not so much like you said, to it's not pointing fingers backward. Mm -hmm. It's actually more about looking forward mm -hmm. into the legacy that you want to leave. Yeah. And especially you talk about your kids, like, that to me has to be like the ultimate smelling salt to like, okay, do I want to, do I want to replicate this pattern or do I want to chart a new path for them? Is, yeah. um, and just thinking of it in terms of taking a handle on your legacy versus mm -hmm. blaming or, or pointing backward to the things that weren't done right. That helped me really, I think, reframe why this practice is so important. And if yeah. people are feeling hesitant about, you know, placing blame or... yeah. All the feelings that can come up when we look back, well, and we stay especially stuck in family there, though. Like circumstances. When we stay stuck when we're disappointed mm. or when we're hurt or when we're like just playing that loop over and over. Of why didn't I have that or why did I have that and not that or mm. why, you know, and and so, yeah, it's just it's a really cool piece of the puzzle that I had to learn probably the hard long way. But, you know, that it's that I get this I get this responsibility. I get to partner with God in uh, reframing what my life looks like now. Yeah, it's yeah. freeing. It is. Um, one of the things in the How Do We Get Here that you talk a lot about and you've mentioned this word and we hear it a lot um, is codependency. So mm -hmm. I kind of want to take a second to camp out like when you looked back and you found this pattern mm -hmm. in your life, um, being the one who wanted to stay connected and I'm going to stay connected because I'm going to help you because... Mm -hmm. I'm the only daughter, which probably sets you up to be that person <laughs> and all of the other circumstances that lead us to want to, I don't want to say care too much, but mm -hmm. care, like you said, without boundaries for other people. What, what is, how do you define codependency? Because I think we, we throw it, there's a lot of words. I don't know why this <laughs> is like my words. soapbox on this show. Like 
when we just throw around these words that yeah. we don't know what they mean, yeah. like toxic and codependent and narcissist. And it's like all those things are real. Yeah. But let's let's not just throw them out like confetti. Let's like <laughs> really understand what they mean. And so how do you define that for us? Like, how do we tell if that is a pattern that we need to address? Yeah, I and I totally relate to that. It is like hashtag. Sexual. Yeah, like hashtag codependent. Yeah. It's like, OK, um, but I've used the hashtag. <laughs> Well, th there are there are marketing reasons for hashtags. Let's we'll not hate on the hashtag. But I, um, you know, this is probably not the the psychological scientific DSM like you know uh, diagnosis of it. But I have found that codependency in my own life has been when my care has crossed a line. Mm. So you know, I didn't have self control in my relationships. And so my care, my love for that person, um, my loyalty crossed mm -hmm. the line. Mm. And I knew it when on a like visceral level, on a physical level, I was getting sick. Mm. Um, so it wasn't even here yet. And that's what's funny about like that brain body connection mm -hmm. is like my body, like I was having the shingles outbreaks. I wasn't eating. Oh, wow. I was having insomnia. I was turning to addiction. I mean, yeah. that was definitely a part of my journey um, was the numbing and migraines and lower back pains, like That's all these things crazy. that I, you know, not in like one sure. week, yeah. but like these things that were happening. Um, and I would go to the doctor and they're like, you're perfectly normal. And I'm like, well, why am I like 23, 24 years old? And yeah. I'm like suffering like this. And, um, and that's when I discovered that I just, my care was crossing a line and mm. I was suffering from this word that I came across yeah. in Melody Beattie's book, uh, Codependent No More. I'm like, this is me. Mm. That's what I am, somebody. And so that's when that label or that mm -hmm. title um, helped me Yeah, because I could relate. And then I felt like, well, then I can find a way out. That is so crazy that yeah. just that, you having those physical ramifications, especially at such a young age, um, one of the phrases I wrote down that you use in the book is unhelpful helping. Yeah. yeah. Or even in this case, I would say like harmful helping, yes. like when you're, when your help harms, um, whether that's you, whether that's the other, but maybe that's our, maybe that's our litmus test. Like, yeah. cause one of my questions is going to be again, back to the title, like, where do we know the line between I'm being loyal and I'm, I really am loving and serving this person versus I'm being codependent. Mm -hmm. And maybe it is if we see evidence of physical, spiritual, emotional yeah. harm. Does that seem fair? Like, is it that straightforward? It, I think it is. I, I know too, for me, even in my relationships now, after writing the book and doing like 10, work, 10 years of this work and like feeling like I have a good handle on it, codependency will still kind of rear its ugly head at me mm. every once in a while. I'll still feel it a little bit. I don't think it's ever gone, you know? I don't think anything we sh struggle with sure. is gone. Um, but I kind of can I can recognize it for what it is and almost always and here's the lie that that can happen with people that suffer with it or struggle with this pattern is that we do think we're being helpful. But if we look underneath that and we think we're being selfless, especially Christian women, yeah, yeah. it's super selfish. And mm. here's why. We're controlling the perspective of what people think of us. We're controlling mm. the narrative. We're trying to control their outcome. So one of the examples in the book is like my brother couldn't pay his rent. So I love him. I'm loyal yeah. to him. I'm going to pay his rent. Well, no, that's actually very selfish because I wanted to not see him suffer. Mm. Like that hurts. Yeah. 
It hurts to see somebody you care about who's struggling with addiction getting kicked out of their home, you know, especially when I have the money and the time and Mm -hmm. the ability to help him. Yeah. And so I think that it's really being honest with ourselves about is this helping them or is it helping me? Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the question to start with. That's the question. And if we're not slowing down long enough to really have that conversation with ourselves and God, then we just kind of rush on to the next problem of somebody that we care about. One of the ways you uh, write about this that was an incredibly helpful visual for me is I think you I think it starts with a a scripture. I don't remember where it's from about carrying one another, calling us Mm -hmm. to carry one another's burdens. Okay, yes. Galatians. And so it's like, okay, we hear that call, like you said, especially as Christian women who are inherently nurturing and Mm -hmm. rightly taught to to care for others. Um, And you use the sort of analogy of backpacks versus boulders to, to help us differentiate. Like, do I pay his rent? Is this actually a need that mm-hmm. I can selflessly meet or is this codependent? Mm-hmm. Can you just talk about that? Those I don't know where that came from, but it so, struck me. It was such a it was such a strong visual. That was a visual that Dr. Cloud used. He wrote the book Boundaries. That was one of the first books that I also read alongside um, Melody Beatty's. So I read Melody Beatty's Codependent No More, learned what a boundary was, and then I was like, okay, where do I find yeah, gotta, on boundaries? Gotta learn boundaries. <laughs> and so he he used that that image um, between a backpack and a boulder because, you know, we have these daily responsibilities. So I, for me, have to get up in the morning and make my kids breakfast and I have to pay my bills and I have to brush my teeth and I have to get my kids to school and I, you know, maybe have to put gas in the car or whatever. These daily things, you know, make dinner. And those are our backpacks. Those are our loads that Galatians Mm -hmm. talks about. Everybody should carry their own load. That's our responsibility. Um, But then when these burdens come along, these are the bigger things in life. These are Mm -hmm. the things that, you know, can overtake us. Mm -hmm. And that's where they say we should share in these burdens, in these big loads. But what happens is, and we mess up and I've messed up, is I start to take your light little backpacks Mm -hmm. and put it in mine and now I'm carrying this really heavy backpack. Yeah. But then when a burden comes your way, I can't actually help you. Ugh, yeah. And it and it totally like made sense to me. Yeah, it does. It's a beautiful And so metaphor. now I'm putting down some of my own responsibilities. Like mm-hmm. I'm trying to get grandma to pick up my kids and I've got takeout being delivered because I'm trying to rush and cater to you. Mm-hmm. And what God has held me responsible for is now being thrown to the wayside. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. And so then the limit comes, self-control on my part, mm. and, you know, setting a boundary like, hey, Maddie, that's actually like, you got to brush your own teeth, girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I will. Um, no, I think that's such a beautiful picture. I'm glad you included it. And that, that kind of does lead into, I mean, we we're talking about boundaries. It's sort yeah. of how did I get here? Recognizing the patterns, recognizing mm-hmm. codependency or avoidance or addiction or whatever you've been coping or however you've been coping. And then part two is practical solutions, yeah. which praise God, we have practical yes. solutions. Um, and boundaries, I think, is probably one of the the bigger ones mm-hmm. that you speak about, write about, have studied for and, and taught yeah. for 10 years. I think part of um, people's, I don't know, hesitance, with boundaries Mm. is of course that they're like it's selfish like we hear that that's like the first complaint but you say from the beginning of the book that boundaries are god's work Mm. why are boundaries god's work like how are they modeled in scripture 
Yeah, I was that girl that thought that they were super selfish. I mean, so we all it, do. Oh, my goodness. And and again, I still have to have that, you know, that chat with myself of like, okay, I'm allowed to do this. I'm allowed to say no to that or whatnot. But, but if we go back to scripture, we see that God uses boundaries all throughout, mm-hmm. woven all throughout. Don't go there, go there. You know, don't eat that. Don't touch that. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't tell him that. Yeah. You know, he's parting the land from the sea, and you know, day from night. And so it's we see the symbolism, we see the theme um, from the Old Testament throughout the New. And and so I realize that if I do boundaries the way that God designed them to, then I'm doing God's work in my mm-hmm. relationships, and I'm inviting Him back in with me. Mm. And if I ever feel guilty. I can say, okay, court, are you doing, you know, your relationships based on the world standards, mm. which the world will tell you, hustle, sacrifice, yeah. give until you have nothing left, mm-hmm. um, earn their love and their keep, um, or am I am I looking to God for how He wants me to show up in this? Yeah, and it takes that pause and that hesitating, mm-hmm. you know, because I think our natural inclination is to. Um, to kind of just take control and yeah. try to try to fix it and connect. And when somebody's withdrawing from us, we like to figure out, well, how can I white knuckle it and make this thing better? Yeah. Yeah. I think sort of um, like when you were talking earlier, the sort of question to ask about codependency is like, am I doing this for me more than I'm doing this for them? Kind of what I hear in this is like, we have to ask ourselves if I'm setting a boundary Am I doing this for protection or Mm -hmm. am I doing this to punish? Because Mm -hmm. the punish Mm -hmm. is selfish Mm -hmm. in a way, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. that's not not the the heart motive behind Mm -hmm. boundaries. Mm -hmm. Protection is the heart motive of God that we see, right? So like that is to me the question that helps if that crops up in my mind, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you just want more time or, oh, this is selfish. It's like, okay, what am I really trying to do? If I'm really trying to protect my family and my backpack, you know, so that I have margin to then love this person. That's not punitive. That's protective. And that's how God shows us to do boundaries, right? It is. And I think, you know, it's, it is protecting and it's providing, you know, often, as you said, boundaries get this bad rap, but I try to, to encourage women that it's how we bid for connection. It's how Mm. we extend love, Mm -hmm. like real love you know, um, God's love. We're going to him first on how do we function inside this relationship. You know, we're kind of walking in the spirit or learning to walk in the spirit with this relationship. And then we're able to flow that love through. And um, and that takes really having, again, that, that time to slow down mm-hmm. and not speed up in front of God in that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it does provide us that protection and that provision, you know, one of the examples I share in the book is, you know, with like mother-in-laws. There's a lot of mother-in-law drama. No offense, <laughs> mother-in-laws out there. But, you know, women are learning how to engage with their spouse's mom, and that can be hard. And so, you know, they want to spend time with them. They want to love them and respect them and honor them. Um, and they're afraid that setting a boundary might make them angry yeah, or might hurt them. Uh, and it may, mm-hmm. it may make them angry or hurt them, but it also may make a really rich, beautiful relationship start to happen. Mm-hmm. And so if we can pan out a little bit and look at the long game yeah. of the relationship yeah. Yeah. and really overcome that short-term discomfort, mm-hmm. 
Um, I think that's the best way to approach kind of this new language of boundary work. Yes, the long game. I don't know that I've heard it explained that way, but mm -hmm. I think that's a really important way to think. And and you hit on that, you know, when we do understand the necessity mm -hmm. of these boundaries. And like you said, that it's a bid for love. It's not a, a withdraw from love or mm -hmm. or anything like that. The inevitable result can be people not getting that. Like they're mm -hmm. not going to be like, oh, great. Like, thanks for setting this boundary against mm -hmm. me. You said that it can help us love like God, which, of course, like in theory and word, we're like, yes, we want to love like God. Mm -hmm. But when you really think about it, like God's love doesn't always feel great. Mm -hmm. Like I've mm -hmm. I've felt God loving me in moments where I'm like, mm -hmm. I wish you would love me a little softer, you know, <laughs> like, I mean, truly. Mm -hmm. And we we can trust him in that. Right. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of the fear I feel is what about if people don't get this, mm -hmm. you know, and and so I think the long game vision is important. A thing that you say often is that you had to get used to disappointing the people mm -hmm. we love and like. I mean, I hate that. that you hate that. Too. I can see I it do. in your face. And I still do. How do we how do we deal with that? Because you are very honest about long term boundaries with your nuclear family that had to happen. And I'm sure that was met with with disappointment and resistance. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's it's that every day waking up and realizing that when I choose to do it the way Jesus did, not perfectly, but I'm trying to pursue that. Or when I try to honor God in my relationships, that sometimes it's going to disappoint people. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but that's okay. And I do trust that God will figure that out for me, mm -hmm. you know, and that maybe there'll be some convictions on their part and maybe there won't be. Mm -hmm. But the disappointment that I feel is not an invitation then for me to go back to my old default patterns. Mm -hmm. And so again, there's that, that space in between. Yeah. I'm feeling just uncomfortable. They're disappointed at me. I can either loop back to this and try to make it better in all the ways I know how, yeah. or I can trust God with it mm. and give it some time. And let me tell you, you know, I shared in the book, there was years that I had to wait years, yeah. you know? And even as a mom now, my kids, they're disappointed in me a lot. <laughs> mm, yeah. But that's how we, but I care about, and it's much easier to set a boundary with an eight-year-old or a three-year-old <laughs> than it is with your mom or your mother-in-law. Yeah. But, but it's still the same reason. Mm -hmm. Like, I love you so much that I'm going to hold this line for us mm -hmm. and for what this relationship could be, um, again, the long game. And so that helps me in those moments of, yeah, and tension and discomfort. What um, what actually helped you in between the setting of the boundary and the long game? Does that make sense? Because inevitably we're gonna feel mm -hmm. all sorts of things. We're gonna feel guilty. We're yeah. gonna feel anxious. We're gonna feel worried. We're gonna feel that pull to go back and, mm -hmm. like you said, fix the connection in these old ways. Like, mm -hmm. was it truly just surrender? Like, what what? Yeah, helped you. I know that's sort of a no, it's big question. But. It is. I mean, I I have more tools now. I'll be honest. I have more tools now than I did when I wrote the early part of the book. Um, but but I did I trusted God. You know, now when I'm setting hard boundaries, I have safe people to turn to. So I have, you know, these people that get um this work. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They're like in it, you know, they're they 
they fight for healthy relationships and they they understand the point of boundaries. And so hanging with them or bouncing ideas off of like that wise counsel is important mm -hmm. because again, if you go to the wrong people, you're gonna get that worldly advice. Yeah. Take for example, I ran into an old friend who um, had recently lost her mom and um, you know had had read the book and kind of was baffled that I had gone so so many years without talking mm. to my family mm -hmm. and how I needed to call and go make that right and spend as much time that I could with these people. Yeah, you know, and I get it. When we're hurting, yeah. grieving, you know, it's easy to kind of project that. So being cautious that we're not allowing other people's pain or even their mm -hmm. predicaments to now become, mm. you know, a waffling in our own mm -hmm. limits. Because, again, God is is in charge of the pace of this. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think another thing, too, is just knowing that when we go through seasons without, you know, even though we don't see the goodness or the evidence of his hand in it, it's that, you know, he's bringing something mm. good mm -hmm. and we just have to wait. Yeah. And that's hard. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, and that there's, he's just a good God like that. And so, you know, you've maybe heard or seen the meme, you know, don't, don't, plant what he's pruned or plucked mm -hmm, away, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, that's one of the things that, you know, it's important is that, you know, those seasons of loneliness, he's going to use. Yeah. Or that waiting. He's yeah. Gonna use. Yeah. I think, um, one of the things I was very happy to hear you write on at a certain point that's felt personal to me, just with some loved ones lately is you do address with us. Okay. What happens if people who are always going to be in our daily life, who mm -hmm. we do love, they're in an extremely or more difficult season than normal. Like they're really struggling yeah. and hurting. Like, shouldn't we ease up is yeah. basically, you know, kind of the thought that comes. And so why, why is it still important in seasons where loved ones are struggling mm -hmm. to hold those boundaries? Because it feels unloving. Like it you does. feel like you should lighten up. And that's really difficult. It is. It's really difficult. But what I've concluded on this is like when you're going through a tough season, you know, and you look around and nothing makes sense. Nothing adds up. It's confusing. It's, you know, painful. It's, um, you know, you, unstable. You want to look to somebody that is none of those things. Mm. And so when we start to, you know, what you said, lighten up. And we allow the people that are hurting in our lives to now kind of hurt us or to, to you know, I think that there's a time and a place for, for gentleness and compassion. And, mm -hmm. and But boundaries are those things, too. Right. You know, it's not I'm going to be gentle and compassionate and grieve with you and then also just let you do whatever you want, mm. you know. Mm -hmm. And and so, again, it's debunking that myth that um, – that, you know, when somebody's going through a hard season that, you know, we have no limits in that relationship. I had um, somebody, I'm in a Bible study at home and she was sharing that her, you know, dad who's ill and aging is just very verbally abusive to them. Mm. And I, you know, I can't speak for her, but I can say that, you know, that's not, that's not loving him mm -hmm. by letting him, you know, just criticize and hurt and 
he's going through a tough time. He's yeah. ill. He's frail. He's all of these things. But you know, at what point do we love people well enough to tell them no? Yeah, like, this isn't how this is going to go. Yeah, you know, I care about you. I want to have that quality time with you. Yeah. Do we always have to tell them? No. <laughs> No, you don't. Okay, that is you can great text them. News. No, I'm just kidding. That, yeah, voice memo. <laughs> um, no, I, so, I share that. that. Sometimes it's a nonverbal commitment to yourself. Mm. It's something you know. We can reinforce our nonverbal, you know, limits with you know our body language, or just like you know, maybe when we go to these events with family, and we're just like, you know, I'm not gonna. Whenever the beers start cracking and the politic talk starts or mm -hmm. whatever it is like that's my time to get my kids home into bed or yeah you know I, you know sometimes i think it's just a commitment to yourself mm -hmm. and you know where you're at and you're healing and also it's a commitment to hey i want to continue this relationship but i know by yeah. 6 p.m we've got to get home yeah and so no it doesn't always have to be this like sit down powwow yeah that feels like a relief <laughs> <laughs> this is an answer i like well thank you for diving into all that it's yeah. also a word we use a lot and and i just wanted to get all of your insights and experiences with boundaries yeah. and and the beauty that they offer or that they can offer and just what's hard about them like we'll just yeah. call it what it is it's yes. hard okay. you mentioned the core values earlier which is such an important part i realize now of maybe maybe they're a filter for where you need boundaries mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. like that i don't know if that's the right word but you said that that was one of the things in discover your worth that you had realized oh man i've been teaching on boundaries for 10 years and we've never really mm -hmm. covered this like why is that a helpful place for people to start? So, yeah, I, I realized when I was teaching on this, you know, boundaries, codependency, it was like a moving target. And I had to get back to to that core value, that foundation of and which will look a little different for everybody. I mean, as Christians, we kind of have these fundamental values around family and faith and whatnot. But you know, understanding what you value will make clear what you guard. Mm. And mm -hmm. so one of the examples I share in the book is about my marriage. I thought I valued my marriage until I was like talking crap with my girlfriends, mm. like, you know, jumping in with them um, when they would complain about their husband. And so what I was doing didn't actually mm -hmm. add up to what I valued. And that was nobody's fault but my own. And so I had to then rework the way I was thinking, what I was participating in to reflect that value. Mm -hmm. Well, again, that was a nonverbal. That was actually a boundary on myself, which mm -hmm. I write about in the book. Yeah. Like some of the hardest boundaries we have to do yeah. are the ones on ourselves. Um, we get ourselves into a lot of mess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I had to um, I had to change that that behavior of engaging in that talk because I did value mm -hmm. my husband and our marriage. And so knowing your core values is key. And, and again, it may change depending on the season that you're in or you know the goals that you might have, um, but, but it's super important. Yeah, what is, uh, like if you're working with somebody and they're like, man, I've never really thought of that. Like, how do you start? Where do you start? Yeah. Like, do you do it, if you're married, you do it with your spouse, do you do it individually and then I, sort of in diagram it like what, yeah, what did that look like I'm down with the diagrams <laughs> but um I would say you know just well a great thing is to track what you do in a day mm -hmm. so often what you do in a day is what you value and so if you realize that you're on social media for four hours a day mm. but you don't actually value that then that's an area that you're like mm -hmm. okay convicted or you know I think I value working out but I actually in my schedule there's no time to move yeah 
okay, I'm going to rework that. Yeah. And so tracking, I think what you do in a day is really important. Kind of what you say and think might be helpful. Um, but I think as far as with partners, I think it's good to do it separately. Um, but then also you'll find that, you know, when you are married, you probably do have a lot that you value in common. Yeah. You know, we, we'd hope so. You'd hope so. It's too <laughs> it's late now. It's going to make it a lot easier if you do. <laughs> but, you know, like finances, how you want to raise your family, like the faith thing, you know. And then coming to those agreements of, okay, we can have these overlaps here. We can compromise on certain things. And that's really beautiful, too. Mm -hmm. I mean, my values may be different than yours, or it doesn't make yours wrong. Right. And so, yeah, I'm down with the diagrams. I think that's fun. Did y'all, you have four kids. Four kids. Three to, how old's your oldest? Eight. Okay. That's a lot, number that's one. They're beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> Is that a thing to do with our children, the core values? In a way, I mean, in, a, in an age-appropriate way. I would think so. Now you've got me thinking I should do that with my kids. <laughs> um, why haven't I? Uh, yeah, I mean, I would think so because, I mean, one of the things right now, my oldest is a girl and, you know, she's already dealing with this friendship thing. Mm. And I haven't actually, you know, talked specifically about the value thing, but I think like We've touched on it and, you know, we lay in bed with her at night. I'll lay in bed with her and she'll talk to me about her friends and the girl that's mean to her on the playground. And we talk through that. And, you know, I think that the value thing would play into that perfectly mm -hmm. because it's like, well, what do I, I did say to her, you know, we want to feel encouraged. We're meant to build each other up. Mm -hmm. And if we're hanging with these people, you know, and they're not building you up. Yeah. Just, you know, go to the other sandbox. You yeah. know what I mean? And. And so, but yeah, I think that would be an awesome exercise. I'm going to do that when I get home. I love it. Go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> well, it'll be that. the next mas master class. Core <laughs> yeah. values with kids. Why not? Uh, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't have kids yet, but I feel like they're this little heart purity, yeah. you know, that they have, like, come to the kingdom like little children. Yes. Like, you see why. That's what God says. I, I feel like we would glean a lot of insight, maybe. I, yeah, I have no doubt. It'll be great. You'll have to report back. I Let will. us know what your kids' core values are <laughs> besides awesome music to sing yes. to wake up in the morning. Crystal. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we could go on and on and on. The last thing I kind of want to just hear you speak about and define is you touch at the end a lot on communication, whether that's communicating boundaries, whether it's communicating in conflict, um, and sort of hit on the three common ones that don't work, which I think we're all mm -hmm. pretty familiar with being like passive aggressive and then passive aggressive mm -hmm. and i think if you take no more than five minutes it will probably come up which one you were most accustomed mm -hmm. to seeing mm -hmm. it did for me maybe yes. not it may be harder for some others and then you talk about assertive communication mm -hmm. which i like that word and i yeah. think maybe right when we hear it we think isn't that aggressive so mm -hmm. can you just tell us why that communication style matters like what assertive means and how we can sort of start to practice that maybe because everyone wants to communicate well sure you know and women have a you know we talk a lot but we don't communicate very well which is so i like that statement i like, hate that it's true but i i like so that true. statement yeah and i realize this now more than anything because i have three girls and a boy mm -hmm. and my daughters will tell me you know can i tell you something can i tell you something can, throughout the day mm -hmm. and my son will say He'll grab my hand. Can I show you something? Boys yeah. are so, they're wired so different. It's, it's fascinating and incredible. But the assertive communication is, is really a practice I had to learn because I had such a blend growing up. And then in early marriage, I had a passive aggressive way about me, just snarky and sarcastic and wondering why nothing was changing. Yeah. 
Like, don't you get my uh, backhanded comments? Yeah, exactly. And again, it was that self-responsibility of, um, okay, I need to figure out a way to communicate this in a kind and clear way because I care about this relationship. Mm-hmm. So it goes back to that. And the other styles just don't work. They're they're just, they're out of fear. They're out of control. Mm-hmm. You know, love is never a byproduct of those things. Mm-hmm. You know, connection and growing closer and intimacy is never a byproduct of of control and fear. And so that assertiveness, again, it's just a practice. It's, you know, when we're feeling a certain way, pausing, not letting the feelings being charged because that's where we see the aggressive, mm-hmm. yeah. getting beneath that, um, asking yourself what I need, what am I not getting, you know, and and really just, you know, giving our, our friends and our family members and people in our lives an opportunity to show up for us mm. because they can't read our minds. Yeah. And it's really hard to assertively communicate Yes, it is. It's very easy to just kind of keep it either surface yeah. or blow up yeah. or shut down. It um, feels a lot less natural, I is. think. Like it, it really takes a lot of work and a lot of self-awareness and yeah. like self-audit, I think is kind of what you're getting at. It's like part of the assertive communication is not just speaking more clearly about what they're doing wrong. <laughs> it's like actually seeing the mirror too. And yes. I think taking ownership of that, even, I don't know who says this. I think you're like me. You probably read and listen to so much stuff. You're yeah. like, I know all these quotes <laughs> and I have no idea where they came from. But I heard a pastor say one time that even if there's a 1% truth in the criticism, yeah. like sanctification comes in owning the 1% truth. Yeah. And like honesty and invitation to real authentic connection comes in owning the 1% truth. And like, that's shitty. No one wants to do that. Nobody <laughs> but, wants to do that. But that's part of it, right, is is the assertive communication of it's not a compliment sandwich, but it's like, listen, I see that this is how I contributed to this yeah. and I want to own that. But like also this is what I see. Totally. And here's what's really cool, though, is and again, as a woman who's really tried to practice this assertive communication style is that you're inviting and celebrating and welcoming other women to do the same mm-hmm. because we are actually like big girls. And so when you start doing it, <laughs> yeah. they're like, oh, we're doing this? Yeah. I want to do it. Yeah. And because we're like in an emoji world and everything is like <laughs> yeah. cut down. And so we're actually uh, getting like dumber online yeah, and, and in texting. And, and like you said, like these like little voice memos, which mm-hmm. are so great, by the way, and so not assertive, I'm sure. So yeah. am I. <laughs> but but you get my point. It's really yeah. cool to grow in this skill mm-hmm. with each other. Yeah. And uh, work through the kinks because it does take practice. Yeah. It's easy to fall back into the old For days. sure. And I think kind of where I want to land on that is if women have ordered your book and they're like, I really want to improve in these ways. And they're like, I know that I'm passive aggressive or I know mm-hmm. that I've am too aggressive and there is no grace for like self-reflection in it wherever you are and we're trying to build these muscles what if the other person isn't trying to build these muscles oh yeah not like i'm talking like spouse like kid like people that you're you're not gonna not see for a year you know people that are in your life can we still develop these skills if our partner or whomever isn't as responsive to do the same I I really believe we can. Yeah. I really believe we can. And that goes back to that point of feeling lonely for a little while and hanging on. Mm. I believe what we can influence our spouses in the best way. I believe in the ones that we feel like will never change and they'll always be the certain way. I believe that we can influence and impact our children, you know, 
in I'm in 10 years sober, which I cannot believe. But one of the things that, you know, in early A they talked about is like it's attraction, not promotion. Mm. And and it's really cool because that kind of plays into this work, you know, is, you know, we're not trying to promote it or push it down people's throats. But the people that are around us will see something different mm -hmm. and they'll mm -hmm. they'll eventually want that change for themselves, too, because they're going to see the fruit of that change. Yeah. They're yeah. going to see your patience. They're going to see your kindness. Yeah. They're going to see that assertiveness. They're going to hear it. Yeah. They're going to see that you're not ruffled as easily. Mm. Um, th that goodness is coming out of you now. And, you know, that's really hard to to go up against. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, when like the best version of you is coming out. Yeah. It's really hard to not want to be around that. Yeah. And want to have that, too. Yeah. And I love that. I hope that gives some fuel to the women yeah, who maybe feel there. like, why am I doing this? Hang in there. Stay encouraged. I think that there will be glimmers of hope. There will be moments of his evidence. And like I said, his hand in it. And, you know, it might be days, weeks, and months. Mm -hmm. But one day there will be a breakthrough. Yeah. And all of a sudden you're not going to be. Because I was like the, I'd say the black sheep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and let me tell you, years later, I, I get people that come to me through family and friends that say, hey, I started doing X and Y. Yeah. And thank you. Because, mm. And that's just him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But he's also, he loves me so much that he's going to give me that yes. little moment. Yeah. Of like, oh, this ripple effect, this matters. Yeah. Yeah. Sow the seeds. Sow the seeds. So. That's unfortunately an answer I hear in prayer a lot. So <laughs> sow the seeds. <laughs> okay. Um, and as you mentioned, to have the voices that, are doing that work too to yes. encourage you if you feel like you are the black sheep or the one yeah. trying to model this to no avail. Like just have well, those people. And we do we do live in a digital world and I think it's a great tool. And there's we have opportunities to, you know, seek that wise counsel outside of our nuclear family. Mm. And so there's opportunities out there to get that that, you know, wholesome good um, sound counseling mm -hmm. or you know, there's different classes and courses and there's people. I mean, I really do believe when we start to go into prayer to God about bringing us these healthy, safe, respectful relationships, we have to remove. And I'm not saying get rid of your kids or your husband, but like <laughs> we have to like not let them be the focal point of our lives mm. in that in that part, in that mm -hmm. chapter. Mm -hmm. I do believe that when um, when we're hopeful and we anticipate his blessings, it's like all of a sudden you're sitting at the coffee shop and you meet somebody and you have all this in common. And then now mm. it's a cool new friend yeah. that's along the journey with you. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, wow, yeah. here we go. Yeah. And you're meeting for coffee once a week. And yeah. there's that person that you can grow with. You know? Yeah. Well, I, you're talking about, you know, we start sow the seeds and, and just be diligent and wait on that fruit. It will mm. all, you know, bring about in time and and obviously like you and I know the fruits of the spirit as believers and that's a lot of what I see in you and I think you've shared that you've experienced increase in your life when yeah. you've done this hard work the boundaries and and communication and and protection of mm -hmm. yourself and your heart and your margin and your family and your values and um obviously one of the the fruits of the spirit is joy and that's mm -hmm. our whole show and I think it would be fair to say you would speak to the fact that this work does set the table for more joy in our life. Is that fair? Yes. You can say no. You don't have to say yes because no. it's my show. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. It. I will tell you that joy has come from this. Mm -hmm. Peace has come from this. But before that, 
you know, has been the obedience piece. Yes, yeah, it's a long game. It's like a you said. long game. It's like, it's that partnership and that cooperation that we see, again, throughout scripture. Mm-hmm. But yeah, joy, it's, you know, it's not without those little rocky spots, but it's just always been worth it. Yeah. You know, since I started and since I, thankfully, God kind of downloaded this like, hey, it's not meant to be this way. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't how I created you to be in relationship. There's so much goodness to be had. Mm-hmm. Come to me to figure out what these relationships are meant to look like. Yeah. Um, joy has come from that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Thank I hope you. I didn't coerce that answer. That's you just, I feel that from I'm you. I'm so, so assertive now. I, <laughs> that's right. I hope people know that that is a fruit of this work, even it though is. it will feel not joyful in the midst, in the obedience. But I mean, how many things are really like I mean, nothing joyful good. in the beginning? No. no, 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 no. That's ever worth having. Right? It takes a rocky road. I mean, it typically. Does. Yeah. Yeah. So, what we always ask at the end is what is bringing you joy right now? Oh. Darn it, I wish you would have texted me this. No, I always trick people on the first one. Then you get authentic answers. What is bringing (laughs) me joy right now? Being here with you. Is that, that's Bring it, love it. The snow outside. That was such a treat. Yes, that's right. That's bringing me. You said you've seen snow three times in your life. This may be like the third time. She's from South Florida. Yes, this is, yeah, it's like a little winter wonderland. It's It's been pretty cool. Special. Yeah, my kids, seeing seeing the, the fruit in them. Mm. from me yeah that is like could make me cry i guess so yeah it's really like just seeing that they love the lord and that Mm. they're just like healthy and safe and have a good family yeah and i'm like wow if i would have saw that 10 years ago i probably would have sprinted here Mm, yeah that's your legacy yeah that's amazing well, y'all, this I, I hope you've just, I mean, you've only gotten a, a, my selective smattering of everything that's in here. But if you haven't, go order Loyal to a Fault. Um, go check out Discover Your Worth. As we have said, I feel like a hundred times, the support of community and sound voices yeah. will be key in any of this work, in this long game journey um, that hopefully does lead you to a place of yes. freedom and joy. Because it does, but it, it demands really hard work. Yes. But as you said, it's work that God models for us and it's work that he equips us for and we see that in your story and so I'm, I'm really thankful for the work you did and I'm really thankful that you did a lot of the hard road walking <laughs> for us and maybe we'll make it a little bit less bumpy for thank all of you. us here so Courtney thank you so much I'll go follow her on Instagram get the book join the online community this is all I have for you today thank I think you. thank you for coming up here to actually sit with me this oh my is gosh. my favorite thing I love remote it. is good but just to really be this is the best with our people it's been a um, treat is a different experience so thank, thank you. you thanks